Everybody, it is good to be back. Welcome to Don't Be an Idiot, a podcast for you, the idiots, for us, the idiots, all, yeah. all of the above, all of the above. And today we're going to be talking about this idea, this kind of overarching value called Think Orange. Now to start, this isn't something we created. This is actually a pretty large company based out of Atlanta where the whole idea is they're trying to balance family and church in the life of a believer. Yeah, and just to be clear, we're not endorsing everything they say or do. We're just saying the concept of orange is yes. phenomenal. And it's something we here at First Baptist Church have been talking about actually for a little while and have yep. been kind of accepting a lot of their structure into this. It actually yeah. really changed the way that I looked and viewed youth ministry. Mm -hmm. And coming out of youth ministry in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s, uh, I'm not sure they'd made this balance well. So here, here's what the balance is. When we think about the color orange, right? Red and yellow make up that color. We're going back to, you know, first, second grade. Yeah, I'm bad at this. Colors. I'm you really bad. My son Zeke was asking me color combinations the other day. And I was like, uh, Andy? Yeah, if you don't know this, <laughs> what you Caleb got? was homeschooled. And, uh, <laughs> he knows the Pythagorean theorem really well, but his basic colors he struggles with. I so. joke with our secretary. There's red, yellow, green, and blue. That's it. That's There's it. There's no other Well, colors. orange, Caleb, for you to know, uh, oh, yeah, is a mix of yellow and red. And so Good. we're going to say the church is yellow. Kind of think of the light of Christ, right? Mm. The church is yellow. The family, think love and passion, is red. I think and blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would. Uh, and when you <laughs> and you mix these things together, you get this orange. Uh, and it's about this balance and this balance. And, and as pastors, we actually think about this a lot. How do we do we achieve these balances between church and family? And, and what is the best kind of balance as, as we move forward in ministry? Yeah, because we're both deeply passionate about both. Yes. We both have young families that we love and adore our kids and our wives. and But yet we're both pastors and love our jobs and yeah. love our church so much and love our community. And uh, both grew up in cultures where family meant a lot. Like oh, my yeah. family being from the South, <laughs> it actually gives a lot more lip service to the family culture mm. than I think sometimes they actually play out. Uh, and then your family, mm. Caleb grew up yeah. with. Well, yeah, tell me about your family. Well, uh, so I'm the oldest of five kids. I grew up in West Michigan. Uh, I'm talking, we were the typical church family. Uh, and that every time the doors were open, we were there. Uh, yes. And even, you know, extra service days. Uh all the time. But then uh, in addition to that, we were also homeschooled. I was homeschooled all the way through high school. So uh, obviously <laughs> spent a lot of time with my family. A lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah lots of time. So it, we come from these different backgrounds, these different cultures, uh, but we feel the pressure to do a good job here. Uh, and we think churches thrive when they figure mm. this balance out. Yeah. When they think orange. Uh, but Caleb, you have a funny example. You know, we talk about oh, idiot yeah. of the week. Uh, you have a funny example. Yeah. Why do I keep having to be the don't be an idiot of the week? Hey, if the glass slipper fits princess, <laughs> then it's all of it's it's for you, dude. So here here we go. So tell so us you, your story. So you're saying I'm a princess? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Take it how you want it, bro. <laughs> so well the, so early on, right? I'm uh, young youth pastor right out of college. Uh, I'm married, but I don't have any kids yet. And which I call that single, just to you know, be aside here. <laughs> I tell married people without kids, you're basically single. You're basically single. You're basically single. You could go kind of do what you want. Exactly. I don't even know that we had a dog at that point. Like that's how free we were. Uh, but uh, so 
planning events, right? And a classic youth group event. And you always rip on the classic 90s, whatever jerk. But uh, so <laughs> classic youth group event was the lock-in. Is the oh, lock-in. Gosh. I and do not so, endorse lock-ins in any form, fashion, <laughs> or way. Uh, yeah, I probably couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. Uh, so, but anyway, doing lock-ins, uh, the kids asked about it, you know, I had a student leadership team. They're like, Hey, let's do a lock-in. I was like, sweet, let's do it. Uh, so I found a time, the church calendar, uh, looking at the church and school calendar. And there was a Monday that they had off, uh, school. I was like, okay, sweet. That'd be perfect. You know, uh, Sunday night to a Monday night. I think we'd get a ton. Yeah. yeah. Be clear what a lock-in is. You stay up all night. Yeah. 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 For those of you that (laughs) didn't grow up in nineties youth ministry, uh, early 2000s, a lock-in is where you uh, get the youth group together, get you know, and you lock in to the building and stay up all night, just going hard. Uh, traditionally, you go a bunch of different places, do a bunch of different things, uh, keep the kids up, moving around, running around, uh, having a ton of fun. And then typically some gospel lesson in there or something. <laughs> throw the gospel in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe if you got time. If you got time. Between ice skating and dodgeball. At 3 a.m. whenever they're all really paying attention. Uh, Anyway, so uh, all that to be said, we planned out this event for a Sunday to a Monday, and I was super pumped. uh, And I got two or three other adults there. So my wife and I and a couple other adults, uh, some that would rotate through. But like typically I would have four or five adults there at a time, which I figured would be funny. Plenty. The youth group was running 40 to 50 kids. Uh, any given Wednesday night, 40, 50 kids. So I figured, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, we're going to be crushing it with 40 kids. I would be really excited for that. That's what I was planning on. Uh, I had a school bus ready to shuttle us between buildings. Um, and whatnot thought that may take, you know, two rounds. Uh, well the night gets started and kids just keep coming. Like we hit 20, 40, 60, 80, a hundred we ended up with over 120 kids there. <laughs> That's like all the kids in our county. And I'm like, I have four adults here. Well, well you said the youth group was 40 or 50. Yeah. So if you double this, there are kids in the room you have no context for. No context. I don't know a thing about them. Families. Nothing. Yeah. No, nothing about them. So honestly, that's not the idiot part of this story, right? Like that's a win getting all these kids there. That's awesome. The idiot part of the story is the four adults, which were because while students have Martin Luther King day off, Mm -hmm. normal working adults don't. And so most of the parents or adults that I would ask most of my youth leaders, and we had a great staff, they were awesome, but they're like, "I, I can't do that. I've got to go to work Monday morning. I was an idiot. I didn't plan an event that I could partner with adults, that I could partner with families. I planned an event all around the kids. And the kids showed up, showed out, but it failed uh, because epically in that I had was grossly under a responsible level of adult supervision at that event. And honestly, it was so stressful that night because I had to just keep running, just making sure things didn't spiral out of control so well and how do you think caleb like when you send 14 15 16 year old kids stand up all night and send them back home to their parents <laughs> and their families the next day yeah well the parents were gone the next day 
like I'm even thinking like past the event yeah. itself. Like yeah. that's hard to balance in mm. a family value there because oh yeah, uh, that's not going to go well the next day. Well, even uh, for you growing up, uh, when you came home from camp, how did that go typically? Every time, I you know, call it spiritual warfare, call it just yeah. just normal family garbage. Like mm-hmm. that's when the hardest things would happen. Like. Mm. Either I would be really emotional because I was tired and yeah, I'd been just up all exhausted. week and I was trying to explain or I would like clam up and not say anything and my parents would be frustrated because mm-hmm. I'm not being able to share at the level that I should be sharing at. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's already hard and difficult. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we make allowances for camp and for very specific and special events right. because they do have power. Yeah, it's worth it. Uh, but the lock-ins, I would argue, <laughs> uh, and that sounds like Caleb might argue too. Uh, are almost never worth it. Yeah, I'm not even going to go so far as to say all lock-ins, but specifically I am, I am in, <laughs> in that context, I didn't consider the family ramifications, the family consequences for doing a lock-in on a Sunday night to a Monday when adults don't have off, families don't have off. Students maybe did, adults did. Yeah, I grew so. up in a youth group that their primary, I guess, goal was to keep teenagers busy, right? Like if teenagers mm-hmm. are busy with the church, events multiple times a week all summer, then they're not going to be, well, fill in the blank, sleeping around or doing drugs and drinking. Uh, not, so like, social programming. It was heavy social programming. Like they're, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you as many things to do as possible so that we just keep them busy, mm-hmm. uh, which is not a sustainable ministry as well. So what do you think the implications for the family were on that type of model? I think the families miss out on actually growing together as a family. You know what I mean? Like uh, I remember my parents always being frustrated because I, there was always a youth group event and they hmm. valued youth group, or at least they right, did early right, right, on. Right. Right? They valued youth group. Like I want my kid to be there, but I also want to take my kid on vacation. Or right. they take me on vacation and the whole time I'm just being an absolute mm-hmm. turd because I wanted to mm-hmm. be with my youth group friends. Oh, I've, I, I was absolutely that at times. If we ever had to miss a youth group event, I was a jerk and my parents full on supported youth group. Like they were youth sponsors. They were youth leaders. They were, we lived, our lives revolved around the church. But like, if I had to miss one, uh, now it's also partially cause I was homeschooled. So that was my social event for the yeah, in week, your mind, month. <laughs> I just literally spent six days with you, mom and dad or mom or whoever it was. <laughs> right. Can I not have two hours? <laughs> right. Uh, and my parents are big on like, they wanted me to be home at a reasonable hour on Wednesday nights. Hmm. Like, so when I rolled in at 930 and my excuse was I was with my youth group, my right. youth pastor, we were playing volleyball. Or we, and he's like, what time did church end? Well, eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Then why weren't you home at 815? You right. know, uh, I, I think at least in, in my growing up experience, and I had solid youth pastors and I don't want to act like I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, hating yeah. on them. Like, no, absolutely. Not. There's sometimes I think youth groups saved me, mm-hmm. uh, not spiritually, like, spayed me from a lot of stupid oh, things. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, I just, I, I desired that there'd be a balance. And so when I came across, right. and it was when I moved here, I had not heard of mm-hmm. Think Horns before. I, I got out of college. This is my first full-time job in 2015. And I hear this thing as I'm kind of looking like, what, what system am I going to put into place? Hmm. Uh, Think Orange came across my desk, whether it was Joe gave me the book or something happened. And I was like, man, this is brilliant. Right. Because I also noticed, noticed something as a youth pastor, when I'm dealing with the faith of teenagers, if I'm not involving their parents, they have a lot higher chance of stepping away from the faith. Mm. If the parents are not going to be involved in the kid's faith, mm. 
it's not going to be as an easy job. And so I was like, man, if I just want to do a better job, I need to involve the parents in any way I can. It's almost a rare exception. A kid who, I would agree. Yeah. who carries their faith into and through college that didn't have family support. It's already hard enough with the family support. It's already hard enough. It's an uphill battle as it is in our culture. Yeah. Let alone without having the family there support. So, well, t- talk to me about some of the errors. Well, on either side, like what is it? That I, I think there's errors on one side in that people that build everything on the church. Uh, that's kind of what we've been talking about up to this point is yeah. the errors of church heavy programming and building everything. Well, you have a, a story of a uh, someone that shared something. Yeah, I have that, a really good friend, a really mm-hmm. good friend who I invited to speak uh, at one of our events. And uh, he said something and he came from his c- context and background would be the church legitimately saved his life. Yeah. And he did not have a solid family behind him. And so he said something during speaking that, that rustled some rough, rustled, ruffled <laughs> some feathers. And he said, your life talking to teenagers needs to revolve around the local church. Now, I understood his context. Right. And, and to an extent, I agree. Right. With what as he pastors. Said. As, a, as pastors, <laughs> I'm like, yes. Like, I think your attachment to your community is not only a personal benefit, but it's a biblical mandate. Mm-hmm. It's a biblical. It, like, it's, That's a big statement. It's a big statement. But I think you mm-hmm. can look through the Old Testament, the New Testament, and you see, like, it's not, they were always being pointed to their faith community. Mm to their faith community. So we talked about some of that and, and that ruffled some feathers right. and you know, we can talk more about that, but I, well, I, and just thinking the, the people uh, I was not there, I don't know any of the uh, people specifically involved, but I know that they're uh, probably the people that got upset are very uh, family heavy in yeah. that they're working hard. And to call them upset would probably be too strong, but they were like, Hey, I'm not sure I agree with that. Right. Because they're working hard to build rhythms and structures in their family. They're honestly parents that are killing it, working hard to raise kids that know and love Jesus. So there's errors on both sides. There's those who go all church and there's those who go all family. So uh, Caleb, growing up in the context you grew up in, yeah, uh, I, I think whether stereotypical or whatever, <laughs> like the homeschool family, the heavy church family, like did your family do a good job? Did you see other families right. in your context? Like what happens when we take the balance and throw it all to one side on family? That's a great question because honestly, uh, I really, I'm going to brag on my parents here. I think they did the balance as well as anybody I've observed in balancing this concept here. (laughs) I'm not saying they're perfect or did everything super well, but balancing this uh, homeschooling is a very uh, close knit community anyway. And then it's your, I, I was home all day long, right? Yeah. Like it, the primary what, influence in your family, in your life was it? my family. And, uh, one of the critiques of homeschooling is, Oh, how are the kids going to be socialized? Uh, it's a terrible critique. And we could talk about homeschooling in general some other time. We absolutely should. That'll be uh, podcast. yeah. Cause I am pro homeschooling, uh, growing up homeschooling, but you do, you need to, well, I'll just tell you a story. One of my, uh, my, the people, my family looked up to, uh, a lot growing up because uh, their kids were just really good kids. Uh, they were all homeschooled all the way through high school. Uh, they had like uh, family worship nights. Like they would play music together and sing songs and they would do little like house church things. And um, But they were very, and, and they went to church, but they weren't all in on church. 
they they they, they, they attended, yeah. but that wasn't wasn't the rhythm. And so they had this very uh, good godly family, but the problem was is that it it was a good godly family and that it was protected from everything else. So. Oh, that's good. Literally, or, or not good. Well, yeah, they never, the, the kids never got a vision for things that were beyond themselves mm. and their family. So as they got out of high school, honestly, every one of them walked away from the faith hard. Like I'm talking, like rebelling in obvious and predictable ways. So when they left the left. cocoon or exactly. the protection, the walls that they exactly. set up. And I saw that literally repeated dozens of times. This family was just one particular uh, powerful example. And because the kids n- never uh, had to face uh, choices, they, they never learned the why behind it. And that's where the church is so important for families because family is not what Christ died for. Mm. Family is not the purpose for us being here. It's all about the church. The church is what God died for, it gives us a purpose that's greater than just loving each other and uh, uh, being this insular, this close-knit community. And and the family is important, but it doesn't give you that long-range vision, the why am I here that that the church does. So, Jake, talk to me a little bit about the other side, which we've kind of done that a little bit, but what does all church look like? You know, I found it interesting that you said that when you went all family way that that people walked away from their faith. I actually think that happens in a different way in the other direction. Like when you're totally mm. church, what I have seen is that people get burnt out on church. Oh, and, and this is a truth in a lot of things. If you put all your eggs in one basket, sooner or later, that's going to get too heavy. Hmm. And so like, uh, I, I think, I think I have family members that, that have fallen into this. You know, my family story is they were really involved, really heavy in church. And then through some family, like, just some some sickness and some different things and just different drama that happened in my family. Like really, it was just up to me and my brothers to go to church, and we just went hmm. hard at church. Uh, and, and I love my brothers, but I would say that I value church at a, at a higher level than they do now. Currently. Yeah, like they... I don't know if they've walked away from their faith. They, at least they're not denying Jesus, but, man, they're hmm. actively not going to church. Like they're not involved in the weekly rhythms. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's... Church. And and I think that they've been back and forth, and you know, there's different things going on there. But I think if you if you focus all on the church, you can ignore your family. And while yes, Christ didn't die for the family, when God created the world, He created the family as mm. this foundation, as this anchor to keep you to your faith. Like I, I think about my kids uh, coming to know Jesus. Like I, I fully believe that that happened at an earlier age because of the family that God put mm. them in, and mm-hmm. that we were focused as a family on preaching the gospel to our kids or they were showing up to church. Like, but if you're all heavy church, think, think if I was just nothing but church, if I ignored my family, there's mm. actually been famous pastors yeah. uh, in history that, that did a great job at church leadership, but ignored their families mm. and their families and missionaries and missionaries. Uh, and there's some heavy passages where it talks about dad specifically being responsible in the head of your family. Mm. Uh, and that how we're going to have to kind of answer for those. As being yeah. the head, you know, in the same way that Jesus answers for all of his followers. Like, I, ha- as a dad, have to answer for my family. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, images there is is Christ as mediator. So, us as the body of, be- of believers, Christ is standing before the throne of God, mediating, speaking to God on our behalf. And that's the same image that's given of the husband 
to, to God. That the husband is the one there mediating, a, a, a explaining, justifying the family. And this is a, that's a heavy, heavy concept that you as dad are responsible for your family. In the same way that Christ was responsible for purifying, uh, this is Ephesians 5, purifying and loving the church. It says, husbands, do the same thing for your wife and for your kids. So if you're putting church on the pedestal, dads, mm-hmm. moms, families, mm-hmm. and you're allowing the church to raise your kids in their yeah. faith, you're going to lose. Yeah. Like so many times, like yep. it's not the church's responsibility to right. make sure that your son or daughter is a follower of Jesus. No. And so often, uh, and, th- and this has been something that I've seen in youth ministry, like families come and they take their kids and like, hey, I'll take care of feed them. I'll provide for them. Yes. Uh, I'll teach them how to, you know, whatever. The faith side, I, I got nothing there. I'm just going to take them to church and, yep. and literally drop them off. Yep. Over 50% of the, the students that come to 212, they don't have... Uh, Just families. to clarify, what's 212? 212, yeah, is our student uh-huh. ministry uh, through First Baptist Church yeah. on Wednesday nights. And so we have like 75 kids on average there. Uh, awesome. I, I, over 50% of them, their parents don't have a connection to mm. not even our church, but the yeah. local church in general. Mm. And I, I think that's doing damage. So, and just putting a number on it, how many hours a year would you have those kids then? Man, well, if we have, I think, 30 Wednesday nights at two hours, it's 60 hours uh, a week just for Wednesday nights. And mm-hmm. then you can add like a course camp, just yeah, just well, yeah, camp camps is, and, and yeah. special events, but just our normal events for some of these kids, 60 hours a week or a year, excuse me, is what we see them. I'm not going to be able as a youth pastor mm. instill the foundational faith that your child needs in 60 hours a year. No, like it's going to take the grind at home to do that. Yeah. For example, just school, that's 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week. And by comparison, and at, by the way, at home, if you've got young kids, you're putting in more than that. Oh, yeah. Those kids. 100%. Like, I don't care how much you work. You've still got that much time. Now, I know they're sleeping and whatnot in there too, but you've got so much time specifically with those younger kids. I, I know it gets more difficult as they're in high school and start getting involved in more and more activities. Uh, but you, and, and that's your choice. In fact, yeah. that's your responsibility. And we'll probably do a whole podcast on, on sports and family. Uh, but dads, what are you doing if you surrender all of that possible time? If, if you say, I don't have time to spend in the word of God with my kids, cut sports. They're going to do sports till 18. Yeah, I'm not even sure if this is correct, but I'm going to say this in my own family because it happened this morning. If my morning gets compressed, which sometimes yep. it does, like it's a normal thing, and it comes down to me doing my personal quiet time by myself or me mm. having mm-hmm. my join, my kids join me, yep. I'm having my kids join me. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. This is not to say that that's every day. I need nope. my own personal quiet time. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm striving and reaching and stretching to do that. But the days that get compressed, if I have to make a decision, the decision is with my kids mm. uh, because I can't get that time back. Oh, yep. this makes me think. We, we have these at church and I have one of these at home. It's this large glass jar. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have to talk about this. Uh, with marbles in it. And mm. each marble represents a week of your ki- mm-hmm. of your students, of your kids' life from birth to graduation in high school. Mm. And so every week, every week faithfully, I take a marble out of the jar and put it in a bag. And, and I pray for my kids. 
and this is just this rhythm that I said, but what it's supposed to do, it, it's supposed to help you recognize how quick the time is going. Cause everyone says how that, many weeks you, have left? you know, uh, there's country songs about it. Like you're going to miss this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to want this time back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like every time, you know, someone has a kid, uh, you're like, Oh, you, you blink it and it's gone. So it, well, it's a, it's a silly thing to say because it's so stinking true. It is. Uh, and it's something I think about all the time. Like if I let the church have full responsibility for my kid, mm-hmm. uh, it's not going to end up well. I'm not saying that God can't do amazing things and has through people, Mm. but he designed the family in such a way that it is the core foundation where Mm. faith takes root in your child and yourself. Like my, my faith and my wife's faith does a better job when we're actively as a family working together. Yeah. That, uh, that marble thing, if you're interested, there's a free app called parent Q where you can put in your kid's birthday and it'll show you how many weeks of parenting you have left and it'll give you a, uh, like a pie chart type thing of how far you've gone through all of your parenting. And it's striking because I'm moving up on halfway through my oldest daughter's time of me parenting her. I'm almost halfway done halfway and through. she's eight, right? Like you're like eight. That's not that old. Well, 18. We just talked about gift giving. Mm. Uh, so mm-hmm. whether your mom or your dad listened to this and you're looking for a good gift to get your spouse, uh, I th- it, it wasn't cheap. It was like 50 or 60 bucks the jar. Yeah. You could also go buy all of the, it's marbles in a it mason is, jar. But here's the cool thing. It's not just normal marbles. There's like 10 unique marbles in there mm. that uh, one of them is for when they start driving. There's a big, big cool uh, one. That's nice. when they get saved. Like I mm. prayed, I, I, Caleb, I know you've been the same way. Like you mm. pray fervently mm-hmm. for the salvation of your kids. When I got yeah. to take the big salvation marble out of the jar, oh, that's cool. I was weeping. Oh, I- and Sean and I celebrated it. Uh, and there's one for when they start school, when they move out when they, all, all of those things. And so, yes, you can go buy marbles. Uh, Caleb being Mr. Budget Friendly, he's thinking that. <laughs> I'm thinking go buy the real thing. You know what I mean? Uh, even just the, the free app. Even, yeah, whatever look, you're going to do. At least do, do that just so you can see it at times. So, Caleb, when you think about the yeah. balance, yeah. the balance between church, we've talked about like some of the dangers and, you know, we've kind of rambled on with our stories. You know, I mm-hmm. hope people are kind of following along. But how do we achieve this balance, both as, we're staff yeah. members at a church and dads. Like, what does it look like to achieve this balance? Like, what maybe mm-hmm. can parents stop doing or start doing or churches, you know, as churches do we do or not do that is helping achieve this balance? So, so first, uh, like we've repeatedly said, but pa- taking ownership, specifically dad, taking ownership of your kid's spiritual growth. Then secondly, that means, that means bringing them to church faithfully and regularly. I don't care what your church does. If, if it's our church, 9 a.m. Sunday mornings. If you go to another church, great. Be a part of what they're doing. That doesn't mean you have to be a part of everything they're doing. Okay? Yeah. You, you have some freedom there, but be regularly engaged in whatever it is they're doing. Because if that's your church, that's your home. And your pastors are responsible for you. In the same way you're responsible yeah. for your family, they're responsible for you. So they do that programming uh, in such a way as to help you uh, grow your family. So for us, there's a, c- a couple of uh, key things that, that we do regularly. One of them is our missions banquet. That's outside of the regular Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, missions banquet. Uh, uh, it's just a big celebration that help your kids see that even what's going on in our church, what's going on in this building in, in our local county is not it. It goes literally it goes around bigger. the world. Like our vision is for a world. Uh, 
So that, that's one. Another is uh, our faith in action. And that's where we take a Sunday morning and we cancel our service and we go out and serve people. That's one of the rhythms we've established in our church to say, we don't just stay in this building. We go out and serve people in tangible ways. Uh, oh, uh, mission trips. Yeah. Take, taking kids on mission mm-hmm. trips is a high value as a church. Yeah. Going, going somewhere else. That's part of the same. We go out and just do tangible things to serve people and to tell people the gospel. Uh, another one of the rhythms uh, that I really love at our church uh, is baby dedication and then the Blessing Sunday. Mm. It's this, <sighs> I'm going to try not to cry, uh, this really beautiful bookend. This, uh, I don't know when this will get released, uh, but Mother's Day, we always do baby dedication on Monday. On, on Mother's Day, sorry, I said Monday. Mother's Day. Uh, and what that is, is one of the things we do there is we have you imagine 18 years from now. And who do we want, who do you want this child to become? And so I've got that written down for two of my, actually, I went back. I, I have it written down for all three of my children, this prayer over them and who I want them to be. And then at the blessing Sunday is when they graduate high school. Yeah. Not too far away for Ariel. Hey, Asher's closer. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we do that sometime. That one's a little bit more fluid, but around graduation. So in the spring, so we've already had it. And we have parents come up and say a blessing over their graduating senior. And it's this beautiful bookend to, this is, I, I'm sending you out now. Uh, because the, the, the kids are not ours. And, and One of my favorite things about this year's blessing, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's happened in previous years, but I mm. just realized at this time, was that the church was actually achieving the balance we were talking about. Yes. That every parent that stepped on the stage to bless their kid also actually had a part in another kid's life from another family. And that there mm. were families in the crowd who felt responsibility and ownership of the kids and the students on stage. Mm. And so there's this, this reciprocation mm. between mm-hmm. families and church where families are blessing the church is standing behind and saying, amen, we're with you, man. We're praying for your kid. We're cr- Caleb's over there crying <laughs> with your kids. You know what I mean? Like uh, we, we're excited for what's happening. It's not just a family sending off yeah. their kid. It's a community it's a of community. believers standing behind this family. That's yeah. the balance we're talking about. Oh, it, and it's uh, so uh, obviously as a pastor on staff, I, I, I've had more opportunities than most uh, to be involved in ministries that see these kids. But every one of these kids uh, that were up there, I'm not their youth pastor. You are. Yeah. I'm not their youth pastor, but I have so many memories of, of watching these kids grow. And then uh, we conclude that Sunday morning in particular with uh, singing the song, The Blessing. And over these kids, and yeah, yeah, Jake's a hundred percent right. I'm in the back because I'm a bad singer, so I'm in the back making a joyful noise, but just <laughs> singing that song over them, and that's the power of thinking orange. Yeah, and and so those rhythms in the church are the way that we really work to find that balance. And for, and for families, I think there are things that you can do to achieve the balance as well. Caleb said, "Take your family to church." It's not complicated. It really isn't. <laughs> it, I mean, it's like leading your family at home. Open the Bible and read it. Yeah. This what? morning, Caleb, it was 12 verses. <laughs> it was 12 verses. And they were kind of 12 hard verses. Because nice. it was talking about like, hey, you're going to be eternally uh, like damned. It is what the Bible said. <laughs> if you don't do these things, my kids are like, what does this mean? And like, so I had to stop. And I had to, yeah. I was like, okay, this yeah. is too much for my eight, nine-year-old. <laughs> Let's, you know, it was 12 verses. It wasn't yeah. much. I think it was probably... It was probably 10 minutes. Yeah, that was about about what ours was, 10 minutes. Yeah, so that, that's a great balance. Like, should mm. you take them to church, reading the Bible at home? Uh, yeah. 
Oh, one one of my favorites in my family works hard at but fails as <laughs> magnificently as we work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, right. is Sabbathing mm. with your family. Like we try to pick a morning or a day where we don't go do. Hmm. We just stay and hmm. we kind of celebrate and we pray and we we thank God for the week uh, and we try to refocus in on our family too. Well, this is something we're obviously both passionate about, but uh, we're uh, at time for today. Uh, so just thank you for listening uh, to Don't Be an Idiot. And really, it's not about being perfect. It's about getting up and trying again yeah, and trying to minimize the, those idiot experiences. So till next time. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you.